you're listening to Keystone Cold Cases, a podcast where we reignite cold cases across Pennsylvania. Hey, it's Amanda. Hey, it's Grace. Hey, it's Sarah. Hey, it's Chelsea. And today we are going to go over the case of Ryan Stephen Benjamin. She was a 24-year-old pre-K teacher at Warwick Child Care Center, Inc. And the funny thing about this is I went to this child care center when I was little. Obviously, that was forever ago, but it was the same one that she worked at. And on May 30th, 2016, which was Memorial Day, Ryan was found by a fisherman, Jason Rudder, in Pigeon Creek Pond around 11.15 a.m. Where is Pigeon Creek Pond? Like, what city? So that is East Coventry Township, and it's considered East Coventry slash Pottstown area. It's right over a bridge for, I believe, Ziegler Road. Okay. Now, she was tied to cinder blocks, which were holding her down. The pond was only four feet deep, so obviously she was going to be found immediately after her body was disposed of. It doesn't really sound like whoever murdered her really thought this through. I mean, they thought enough to use the cinder blocks, but to put her body under uh, only four feet of water? Yeah, I agree. That definitely seems inconsistent. And for some reason, um, I just had to kind of look back at the notes we have. I was thinking that we were talking about a river, you know, like there'd be moving water that could possibly relocate her. And that could be the reason for cinder blocks. But it's not even moving water. So it's not like she could go anywhere or end up anywhere. And you'd think, um, you know, like if it's only a four foot deep pond, you would either have very, very short ties to the cinder blocks or not use cinder blocks. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm curious what she was tied with. Like, was it rope or ratchet straps or I don't know, like zip ties or something? Do we know anything about that that could tell us a little bit more maybe? No. So the articles that I read, they didn't say what material she was tied down with. It only said that she was tied to cinder blocks. Okay. But the thing for Chester County around where she was found, there are a lot of bodies of water and there are definitely way deeper bodies of water. So I feel like if it was someone familiar with the area, they would kind of know that. So that's why I agree that, yeah, it really wasn't thought through. Now, the previous day was a Sunday. Multiple families said they were there swimming, so it gave a short time frame of when the body was disposed of. Police went back Wednesday with an underwater video camera to try finding more clues. Authorities said there were no gunshot wounds, blunt force trauma, or strangulation apparent on her body. They did rule out that she did not drown because there was no signs of water in the lungs. They ran a toxicology test, but they have never released the results to the public. Investigators do say they know the cause of death, but to the integrity of the case, they will not release it since the case is still active. I'm wondering if maybe she was poisoned. Yeah, I had the same thought. Um, And whether intentional or not, and at her own hand or not, um, like I know there was a case fairly local to us recently that um, involved drugs and the family of the the victim 
said, you know, you know, she was into drugs and they assumed drugs were involved and that, um, you know, there's a thought that maybe friends involved just kind of put her in water to cover it up rather than having to say, Hey, we were all getting high and this person went too far. Um, or maybe it was some sort of, you know, malicious intent sort of, um, poisoning. Um, and I think it's kind of interesting. Like we don't have the tox results and they're also saying that they have a cause of death, but not releasing it. And it seems like those are kind of the only two big pieces they're not giving to the public. So I feel like they have to be connected. Everything else is being told to us, but those two pieces aren't. So I, I feel like it has to have something to do with poisoning involved in the cause of death in some way, shape or form. Yeah. But I guess with it being an ongoing investigation, they don't want to release what they, the very little, I guess that they have or when it comes to finding the person responsible. So the body was identified because of a tattoo on her left shoulder, her clothing and her jewelry. Someone called in the tip with the identification. Since her death, there have been no arrests or persons of interest listed. Investigators say it is still active and they follow up on all the tips that come in. The family held a memorial service June 18th, 2016 at Miller Funeral and Cremation Services in New York. Oh, was she from New York? I know that's a tiny detail, but just since she was buried in New York, is that where she's from? So it took me a lot of time to find this answer. Like I had to really dig for it because first off, there are literally hardly any uh, resources about this case. And most of them on, if you go on like places like Reddit, the articles that are linked, they are no longer available or the content has been taken down. So the only way I found out is I actually went on to her obituary site and I had to go through every single person that posted and it seemed even on there was one Facebook post that I did find on like a local group and it had also comments on it and I had to go on each person's profile and they'd be like oh you know aunt blah 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 we miss you so much or things like that and all of them are from New York so I'm going to assume like with 90% you know positivity that she was from New York but um okay none of the articles say it said it at all so it was kind of rough but all, her cousins and her aunts all lived in New York so I'm going to say yes. Okay, that makes sense. Did anyone ever report her missing or do they know who she was last with when she was seen? So she was never reported missing in the articles that I've read. It is mentioned that she was with multiple people over the holiday weekend and it urges them to contact the police to give a timeline of events leading up to her death. And from what they know is she was living with a roommate who was friends with her mom and she said she was, I mean, she was young, I guess, partying all weekend. It's Memorial Day weekend. And I guess there was a lot of people like involved in and out. So I'm assuming they questioned everyone. So I'm guessing they didn't have specific names for the people she was with the most. And that's why the police didn't contact them directly. And instead they kind of put a call out for if they knew anything. That's what I'm assuming. Okay. 
So Ryan from looking, I believe that she is from Rochester, New York. She attended college in Juniata, which is a private liberal arts college in Huntingdon, PA, which is also crazy because I almost went there and it is a beautiful campus. But anyway, she graduated the degree in elementary and early childhood education. She was fluent in Spanish and ASL. She had joined Christine Dragon's Child Care Center two months before her death. Christine said she was a great worker and that the children and families absolutely adored Ryan. She even set up a GoFundMe for the family to help cover funeral costs. At the time of her death, Ryan was living with her mother's friend, Cheryl Cotillo, in East Vincent Township, which is really not far from where her body was discovered at all. Cheryl said that she thought something was wrong when she couldn't find Ryan, yet her car was still in the driveway. So how long was she missing before they found her body? So when I was looking at this, um, I pulled up a couple articles to try to put, I'm a lot better with having faces with names. So I tend to pull up articles to try to make things make sense in my brain. Um, and it seems like Cheryl was away at the shore for the weekend. Um, but that, Ryan was home whenever Cheryl left and that there was kind of this agreement between the two of them that like if one was going away on vacation, the other would take care of, I think they had two cats, like they each had a cat. Um, and she said like, she knew that Ryan was at home taking care of the cats, but then, you know, obviously she was gone so from what I could see, there weren't any specific details about the timing, but that was just from like one of the one or two of the articles I saw. Chelsea, I don't know if you saw more. No, like I said, I really definitely struggled. I know that you kind of use like the pictures and do like reverse searching and stuff like that. I, I did not. I did try to go through Reddit and Web Sleuth, and there really just weren't a lot. I even searched tons of local Facebook groups that are local. Uh, I just couldn't really find much. So I did not see that. I did know that she did live with When her. I found the one quote from the roommate from Cheryl, where she said that she was at the shore, I definitely, and she said shore two or three times in the sentence. And I definitely every time thought it said store. And I was really confused how she had no idea if she just ran to the store. <laughs> And then I reread it and I was like, well, Sarah, good thing you have a master's in English and know how to read the word sure. <laughs> Maybe she had a Great lot of shopping one. to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. There's your humor for the episode. Well, Memorial Day was on the 30th, that, which is the day she was found. So, I mean, I think it's a safe assumption between Friday and Monday if she yeah. was partying yeah. the holiday weekend. And, that makes sense. And, like, obviously people were swimming there that uh, previous day. So there was really, I don't even think 12 hours from when she could have been found. But who knows if she was, how long she could have been dead before she was placed in the water. So I guess they're, they're not releasing when they think her time of death actually was. I would think it would make sense. Kind of. Going off of the idea of it being that weekend, um, I'm assuming she would have reported for work that Friday. I mean, I know I worked at a daycare for a hot minute and we literally closed for like Christmas Day, Thanksgiving Day, you know, like Memorial Day is not one that we closed for because a lot of parents would still have to work and, you know, 
like we wouldn't close that Friday. So we wouldn't have a long weekend then, but it seems like, um, what was her boss's name? Christine didn't seem to think anything was off. So I would assume she was at work Friday. Yeah. And then it would have been sometime Friday evening until, you know, like we set up before Monday. So pretty short time span. Yeah. So I definitely don't think anyone reported her missing at all. Um, but the roommate did say that she did have a recent breakup, but that they were okay and all in the same friend groups. Do they? Do we have any information on the ex? Yeah, I hope uh, he was at least questioned. I would assume he was questioned, but I never found his like name listed at all. Okay. I only saw it mentioned in one article, too. I think it's really sad there wasn't a lot of coverage on this. I mean, it wasn't that long ago, and there has to be more information out there. Do you think that maybe, like, her race had something to do with the lack of coverage? I know we've seen it in a few others. So I want to say that a couple of reasons why I think, I personally think that there was lack of coverage. One, her parents... Her family wasn't, like, from PA. I did find a couple articles from New York, but they were very short. Um, But also, like, I didn't find a memorial page for her, which I thought was weird because she's, like, a 24-year-old. Either, like, did she not have friends that wanted to start one? Why did her family not want to start one? Um, So I'm not sure if it's because she was not from PA and... But she had been here for a couple years. I have no idea. And then the other obvious reason is because... She is black. I have to kind of wonder, too. um, I forget who I was talking to. I think it might have actually been uh, my mother-in-law when we were over at their house for Mother's Day. But she said something about, oh, did you hear about um, the the guy that they found at, I think it was at the dam in the Susquehanna. And I said, well, no, I'd heard about the woman who was from Perry County. And she's like, oh, no, that was maybe like the Tuesday before Mother's Day. And this other one was a very close location, but on Thursday or Friday. And it's really morbid to say this, but that's insanely common in the Susquehanna. Um, And you know, you hear about one and then another day later hear about a new one. And sometimes when it's just nothing special to it, to, you know, the, the body itself, obviously there's something special to each person. But I think a lot of times these cases just get bundled up to, oh yeah, there was a dead body found somewhere in one of those ponds. And it just kind of becomes this Oh, yeah, I heard about that. But, you know, like Chelsea said, if the family doesn't pursue it, which they may have, but again, they were in a different state. So, you know, if you don't have that constant, maybe nagging or persistence, whatever you want to call it, that could end up being part of why it doesn't get covered. Um, It's a sad reality that we have that many cases. But it it seems to be consistent with what we've been finding as we've been looking at cases for the podcast as well. It's kind of like people forget that these bodies belong to humans and that each case matters. It's not really seen that way. Yeah. 
I think that's a valid point. Um, now the other thing I want to throw out there is I know Chelsea mentioned earlier that I tend to do the reverse searches and that all totally comes from Amanda telling me to try it on one of the cases I looked at, but, um, I did. And most of the, the images that popped up first were actual photos of Ryan. Um, but I did find that associated with her name, it will of course pull up any article or news blip that appears on the same web page as her name. So, you know, there were multiple instances of a white woman's face that came up under, you know, Ryan Stephen Benjamin. And it was most likely just because other crimes were happening at the same time. I don't think it was ever intentionally whitewashing the case. Um, but it, it just seems a little odd, um, that it's bringing up these other women's faces with Ryan's name. I'm wondering if maybe she had gone there to party with friends. Like you said, a lot of people were swimming there. So maybe she went with friends or, um, the supposed ex and things, you know, got out of control or she, um, drank or did drugs and happened because it seems almost like what you're saying is there's multiple places that have deeper bodies of water and four feet of water is not a lot to like try and hide a body. So maybe it was more of an, an opportunity than let's put her in my trunk and take her to the river because it's eight feet. Right. And then maybe, so I saw some people saying that maybe it was intentional that they wanted the body to be found, but then why would you have cinder blocks? I'm, I don't really know. No, I think the body... I feel like if you want it found. Yeah, the cinder blocks were definitely, I don't want the body to be found. But then, in my mind, when you're putting the cinder blocks down and her down, like, you ain't going far to find out that it's only four feet. Like, did they not notice that? Did they not care? Were they like, I am so tired, like, I'm not gonna pull her out and then go find another place? Like, I don't know. Like, to me, I'm just, you'd find that out pretty fast. I guess unless you throw her in and turn around and run away. That's why I think I lean more towards <laughs> like a, the opportunity, like it, it happened in that area and maybe they didn't want to put her in the car and create more evidence. So it was cinder blocks in four feet of water. Yeah. And I think the th the thing that kind of takes me back to is, you know, we're making comments like, well, if you really wanted to hide her and get away with it, then you should, but like this, whoever it did, it has gotten away with it so far. It's not like we know who did it. And we're saying, oh, if you would have done it differently, you wouldn't have gotten caught. Like that's fair. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they still think, like, have not gotten caught four feet of water. Like that's not very smart, but obviously it is. Cause he's, we don't know who did it. This is where we need like Grissom or Gibbs, <laughs> you know, someone with a scripted plot line to just come in and solve everything. It It's really driving me nuts. And I know it's driving all of us nuts just to have so few details. Um, I did see in one article that some investigators have said they're pursuing many leads and that makes me feel better. It might just be lip service, but even just the fact that they're saying it rather than saying we have nothing makes me feel 
more positive. Um, and then, like I said earlier, I just really feel like the cause of death has to be something really specific if they feel like releasing it would interfere with the integrity of the case. So I don't know. Those are just kind of the things that are ruminating in my mind. Um, if anyone has any information, please reach out to Chester County Detective Sergeant Tom Goggin at 610-344-6866. Hey sleuths, we've decided that from time to time, we will release a bonus episode with our regular weekly episode in which we highlight a doe case. We hope to shed some light on these unidentified victims and their stories, as some of them have been long forgotten. Most of them are short stories since their identity is unknown, but they're just as important as any of the longer ones, and the identification of a doe could provide much-needed closure for those who have spent so much time wondering what happened to one of their loved ones. Stay tuned, because we have one for you right now. Hey, it's Amanda. Hey, it's Chelsea. Hey, it's Sarah. Hey, it's Grace. And today we're going to be talking about Penny Doe in Clarion County. So on July 22nd, 1990, the body of an unidentified woman in Clarion County, a remote area of Monroe Township, about three miles south of I-80 near Reedsburg. Anyone? Okay. <laughs> That's, um, it's out in Western Pennsylvania. So her body was found by two children who were picking berries. Can we... Oh my gosh, all these doe cases have kids involved in finding these bodies, and it's absolutely breaking my heart. Yeah, I think I asked Chelsea once if she thought there was some sort of support group for... And I definitely these... probably think there is. <laughs> poor kids. There would have to be. I mean, the poor kid that found Beth Doe. Yeah. He's, he's never going to be the same. Oh my gosh. Sorry. Continue. Anyway... She was found face down in what is described as more of a drainage ditch than a creek. Um, she was found kind of near a tunnel that that drainage ditch goes through. And above that is a pretty tall railroad trestle. Um, at least it was. It's not there anymore. Her body was in an advanced state of decomposition. She was given the name Penny Doe because a penny was found in each pocket of her jeans. We know that she was a young white woman between the ages of 15 and 22. She does not appear to be native to Clarion County, and her teeth were described as perfect, which led investigators to believe she may have come from a place with fluoride in the water. But this could also be attributed to good genes and meticulous dental care. She sustained blunt force trauma to the right side of her skull, and she also had a broken leg. Could she have maybe been hit by a car on that side? So do you, are you thinking like someone hit her and panicked and kind of wanted to get rid of the body? Yeah. Cause I mean, all the injuries were on the one side. Yeah. So to me, that seems consistent with like getting hit by a car. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a good theory. Um, investigators don't know what was used to beat her or cause those injuries. She was estimated to have died four to eight weeks before her discovery. Investigators were able to rule out some missing women. Um, I could not find an exhaustive list. Maybe Amanda could, but <laughs> so far they have not been able to identify her. I did um, find a few. That yeah. I'll, I can of course post. you did. <laughs> 
Um, authorities received an anonymous letter in the summer of 2002, but they were never able to track down who it was from. Um, they did kind of call out for the author to come forward, but they never did. And the contents of the letter have never been released to the public. So some theories that are out there, she may have attended an outdoor rock concert called Music Alley, which was held over Memorial Day weekend, about 15 miles from where her body was found. The concert attracted about 1,500 people from other areas such as Ohio and Pittsburgh. Um, there's actually no proof that she attended the concert, but it could explain why she was in the area. And I mean, of course, there's no proof. We don't know who she is. So... um the concert was held on a farm, and it was only five minutes from exit six of I-80. There's another theory that the pennies may have been a symbolic message from the killer. Um, in Greek mythology, the dead were buried with coins so that they could pay for passage across the river Styx. This part definitely stuck with me when I read it. Like the fact that you would have a penny in each pocket, not two pennies together, not both front pockets and both back pockets, but just two pockets. I don't know. Um, but there is a term called penny pocket and it refers to a woman that has wide set hips. Um, like not an hourglass figure, but just like curvy hips, basically. Um, I don't know how that connects to actually having pennies in pockets, but I like words and phrases. So there you go. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> I know that um, some Greek history says that money attracts more money and it's bad luck to completely empty your pockets or your wallet or your bank account. So you always keep some kind of coin inside to attract more money. So maybe it was something that she did? Yeah, that's definitely a good thought. Because that is strange. Why would you have change in both of your pockets? And even if she was killed and someone stole all the money out of her pockets, like, I don't know. Why would you leave the two pennies? Um, but another theory is that the killer may have been a local. She was found in a remote location near a rarely traveled road, um, which some speculate could mean the killer knew the area. So I feel like we hear this a lot that if somebody's found like in the middle of nowhere, that the person had to be from there, but trying to think as if I was a killer, which I'm not, um, I would panic and just like drive to the most remote area I could find and then hope that I can find my way out. Right. Yeah. Does anyone else think that way? Yeah. I don't think it's, you know, out of the realm of possibility that you would just end up somewhere random. Though I do hear that some killers like kind of travel and stake out places where they want to take. So before they even find a victim, they find a spot and some even have like those kill kits that they bury near said spot. So it could be someone not near there just knowing that, Hey, I've like scouted this. This is a perfect place. Yeah, that's definitely true as well. Um, so the article on the Doe Network site states that authorities believe that though she was not a local herself, she was most likely brought at least to the general area by a local. Um, but they, she was also found near train tracks, which could mean the killer could have followed the tracks. So 
that's kind of the um, impression that I was getting and more along the lines of what I was thinking. Um, it seems like she just kind of ended up somewhere. Um, I don't really think that being found face down in that little drainage ditch, um, I don't think that leads to this idea that she was meticulously placed somewhere specific. Um, is it too out of the box to say maybe she was a passenger on a train or she was walking along the tracks and either fell or if she was in a train was like pushed out or something happened and they threw her off the train, which sounds horrible, but like, is it too far out of the box to think maybe the train tracks were involved somehow? So I originally wondered um, as well if she was maybe pushed out of a train or jumped or something, um, but it turns out that the train wasn't running anymore on the track at this time, and actually the trestle was taken down not long after this, so it probably wasn't in very good shape. Um, it is possible that she was up there. I don't think her injuries point to her just falling herself. It seems That's that true. maybe she was beaten and then possibly you know, thrown and that's how she broke her leg. Um, but yeah, the only thing is there were no trains there at that time. Okay. Another theory is that the killer could have been a railroad worker. Her body was found near a railroad trestle, which is kind of like a big rickety bridge. If you're not sure what that is. Um, and it's pretty high up normally. Uh, it could have been difficult to get there for someone who didn't know the railroad. Well, um, but I come back at that and say, one, the train wasn't running anymore, so I don't think the tracks were being even serviced. And also, there were children who were berry picking around there, so it couldn't have been that hard to get to. That's what I was thinking as well. I also can't seem to find much information about her position in the water. Um, like we were talking about before, could she have been thrown off the trestle? Um the trestle, I'm not sure how high up that was. Um, according to a Reddit user, trains were not running through that area at the time. The trestle was actually demolished a short time after her body was found. So there is another missing person theory that Penny Doe may be Michelle Reidenbach. She looks very similar to Penny Doe's sketches. However, she went missing nine years prior. The idea was that she was held captive and got away from her attacker via the train tracks. When they caught up to her, they hit her in the leg and she fell off the train track head first or was hit in the head and broke her leg when she fell. She was 16 when she disappeared, meaning she was 25 at that point. She was 5 feet tall, 110 to 120 pounds with dark brown hair. I don't think it was looked into and definitely catches my attention. DNA is available for testing, and I would be super interested to know if that's her. Um, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like my immediate gut reaction is, you know, well, how often are people kept for nine years? But then very quickly, I think of, you know, like the girl in the box who was literally kept in a box I mean, she was let out for certain things, but that was seven years. Jamie Kloss was missing for, I think it was three or four years, um, but I'm not as familiar with that story before she came back. I mean, it's definitely possible that someone would kidnap or abduct someone and keep them 
alive for years and years and years. I mean, I think it's, it's a viable theory. Yeah. There's that. And then there's also, you know, sex trafficking. I was just going to say that like I 80 is a huge highway for sex trafficking. Actually, another case that I was researching, um, I 80 runs through that area and they had suggested that maybe it was due to sex trafficking because there's such a high demand for it off of I-80. And in Nebraska alone, over 900 people were taken from I-80 for sex trafficking. Wow. I mean, it's a huge major road and it's a huge trucking road. Um, so it's one of those, you're driving down it. If you see a truck pulled off the side of the road, you never know what might be going on. I'm never going to be the one to accuse truck drivers because that would be accusing my husband. But I mean, it's, it's, an easy way to transport along that road. I think of like big sky. Um, that's exactly what I thought of when you said that. Yep. Yeah. If you guys haven't seen that, um, it's on Hulu, watch it. Grace doesn't like it as much as I do, but I think it's fantastic. Um, but it starts out with, um, a guy abducting two girls who are, you eventually find out that originally it was supposed to be part of a sex ring. And I mean, it's, they make shows out of it because it really happens. So I don't, I don't think that's a bad theory at all. Sorry. I ranted a lot there. No, it's definitely a theory worth looking into. Um, Another person that they thought she may have been was a girl named Monique Santiago. Uh, Monique went missing from Albany, New York on March 29th, 1990. Um, I believe she was a teenager at that time. Um, This was just a Reddit theory that I had come across, and no one's even sure why Monique disappeared. Um, I, I don't believe that's actually been tested, like her DNA has been tested against that. Um, There was another woman named Barbara Miller that I actually found an article about from May 2008, but I didn't find any updates, so I'm going to assume that wasn't a match. Um, I have a lot of her vital statistics from Crime Crime Watchers. (laughs) I have a lot of her vital statistics from CrimeWatchers.net. I'm not going to read them all out to you because there's quite a bit, but I can definitely post them on our website. Um, If you have any tips about this case, you can contact Pennsylvania State Police, Troop C, Clarion, at 814-226-1710 or 814-938-0510. You can also contact the Clarion County Coroner's Office at 814-275-1773. And then I will put the rest of that information on the website. That's all we have for this episode of Keystone Cold Cases Podcast. Please remember never to reach out to family or friends of the victims, only to law enforcement if you have any tips. This episode was researched and hosted by Chelsea Brown. Find all of our sources, social media connections, and contact information at kccpod.com. The music and production assistance from Darren Makins. Join us again next week for another case to sleuth out.